What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Berry, and myself, Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by, well, it's brought to you by you, for the most part, Patreon, but we are also brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. Let me know if you have any questions about any of their products. We're brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. And uh, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff going on. We got a topic of the day. Which is going to, you know, we did the most under, or excuse me, overrated steroids. What did we do? The most overrated steroids? <laughs> there we go. Yes. What did we do? And now we're going to do the most underrated steroids. So we're going to have just some fun with this one. Maybe get some people angry. Who knows? If your favorite if your favorite drug doesn't make the cut, we're sorry. Uh, it's still good if it works for you. And uh, then we've got a rant from Skip about last episode. And, uh, you know, we've got some other stuff going on. So anyway, let's get this thing rolling. We're going to take all your listener questions. Um, where do we want to go with this, guys? What is the most underrated, the un- most underutilized tool in our arsenal of anabolics? Well, I think it's safe to say all of them are used and all of them are utilized. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you guys want to jump. I get mine out of the way right away if you want, because it's very easy for me. And some people will say, and you guys might say, well, that's not underrated. But I think it is based on how I feel. And you guys already know the answer that I'm going to say. I still say that there is no better steroid than Anovar. I think it is. I know. I know. This is this is why this is a good topic. Because so, Skip, let me ask you a question then. Let me ask you a question. Why don't you just run a moderate test in a in a high anabar cycle? Because of the liver values and the fact that it's an oral. That's really the only reason. There's no other compound though that when I start it, uh, and not just start it like the first week, but when I'm on it, that I can go. I am. Uh, I'll be in the middle of a set, and I'm like. Oh yeah, that's why my my pecs feel like they're going to rip off on every. The contractile <laughs> force is so, so. It's just next level. Nothing makes. It's not like about a pump. I mean, I always get a good pump. I'd be depleted and on zero carbs, and I get good pumps. So I can't relate to the not getting a pump thing. Yeah. But the contractile force, the 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 muscles contract so painfully. It's just painful. It's brutal. It's like I'm going, I really hope I can't get another rep. I want out of this set now. <laughs> it's just a different it, – it's just so obvious when I'm on it, and I respond so well to it. I've heard it from other people, but I'm speaking just you know, more for myself that it, it's, it's just gold. If I responded like I do to Anabar, to everything else, man – I'd be I'd be pretty happy, but I'd be like you'd be like the Mister Potato Potato Idaho State Classic champion. Yeah, by now I I would be the the <laughs> bodybuilding champion for the twenty second floor of Parkline in West Palm Beach, <laughs> undisputed. Too. Andrew, you don't look super impressed by Skip's choice. I'm not sure if I'm feeling it either. <laughs> uh, I mean, so. Here's the thing, and I hate – I don't like these episodes of most overrated, underrated, because I do think almost every compound has an application or use with the exception sure. some of the garbage ones, you know. Like I think the, the overrated <laughs> – <Garbage> ones. <laughs> I, well, like, you know, like the injectable, D-ball, trend, hexacarbolin, whatever mixtures that people are doing that are just driving their blood pressures up and oh, yeah. possibly putting them in an early grave, you know. Um in terms of like, we're doing most underrated, right? In yes. terms of most underrated, 
this one's so hard for me to answer because I just feel like there's so many, there's an application for the majority of the common use compounds that we all use, you know, like, but if I had to go with one, I guess I'm going to say, and it's probably not really underrated in most people's minds, but Masteron, you know, I think Masteron can be used in any application off season, pre-contest, um, I think it it can be used to help with estrogen. I think um, I think it's highly rated, though. I think like yeah. Masteron so that's is, where I'm. So here, yeah, we got to look at here's here's what underrated, overrated is is the social context as of right now, and like I'll say testosterone. Okay, I think that okay. testosterone is highly underrated right now because guess what. It is an extremely powerful compound. It's the it's it's what we already produce. I, I think that people are shying away. You know, back when I started gear, everybody like took a bunch of tests, you know, and that mm-hmm. was like all you took was test and then you took more test. And then after that, you took more test and then you added something else in. But like nowadays, people are like, oh, you don't want to take testosterone because it's going to elevate your estrogen. You know, like it's going to be bad for you. There's going to be terrible things will happen. Don't use test. And in fact, I think that I suggested a, like a test only cycle at like 300 milligrams to start for your first mm-hmm. cycle. And like some dude trolled me for that. Yeah, like how could he? How could he dare suggest <laughs> a 300 milligram? Testosterone cycle, Mr. Mr. Testosterone. <laughs> That's me, Mr. Testosterone. 300 milligrams. It's going to And I consider life. Mastron kind of an... Best way to explain it is I consider it more of an add-on. Like if someone says... Yeah, I have a client that says, and they wouldn't say this, but I want to take three compounds for, for this prep. Yeah. I wouldn't consider Mastron one of those. I would give them combinations of three... Uh, compounds, and then I would say, if you wanted to add Mastron on it to make the test, you know, that much more efficient, then you know we could add Mastron. I don't count it as a as a primary anabolic. Do you guys? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. don't. I never I do. have. I've come around to it. Yeah, yeah, I have. I, like I I'm, have. I'm, I'm high on like a test Mastron NPP cycle. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think you can ride that into, you know, eight, 10 weeks out from a show. You can switch over to, to trend, uh, pull yep. the NPP out and continue to ride it on, you know, into the, into the contest. So, um, that's I why I think completely, yeah, that's why I think it's underrated because I think up until recently, let's say up until about a year to two years ago, people thought of it as a prep only compound in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah, And it was always neglected in the off season. And I think we're seeing now, especially with people's tendencies to want to stay drier, to not look as watery, to not get that, you know, let's say deca blow, that kind of stuff. I think people are seeing the applications that they can use uh, Masteron for in an off season setting. And, and I think they're reaping the benefits of that. Yeah. I, so why I, did you not run Masteron all the time? It's a relatively innocuous compound. And I put that out there as kind of I'm setting you guys up because <laughs> I say run Mastron, not necessarily at high dose, but run Mastron anytime you run tests for that matter because it's just going. making your tests that much. It's like more bang for your buck without having to increase. Anytime you can get more, you know, your free testosterone levels, even, you know, you could argue even Proviron because that's relatively innocuous as well. It's like, why? Yeah. Proviron at least is more expensive. <laughs> Then, then I, I, I think this is the reason why is because especially when you're writing a comp, a cycle for a client, you don't want to give them like eight different things they have to inject a week, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like I think you want to try to keep it, as, especially newer, you know, they're not, 
I think I've got like seven or eight IFBB pros right now. Even people at that level do not want to be taking 14 different compounds a day in the off season. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm thinking back to one time when I was training somebody like a regular gen pop person in the gym, like 10 years ago, it was like a week out from a show. And she's like, you take the steroids, don't you? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes I do. Lori. Yeah. She's like, so like what, once a week you just like, like take a shot. And I'm like, well, Lori, actually today <laughs> I've already taken testosterone prop. I've taken Trin. I've taken Masteron. I've taken Winstrol. I've taken Proviron. It was two weeks out. I've, I'm taking Halo. I might add a little Anivar in later. I've taken my growth. I've taken insulin. I've, if you want to add in the peptides like BPC-157 and Melanotan, I'm like, I'm up to 14 drugs so far today. So yeah, I guess it's a little more than there's just that testosterone shot once a week. And she's like, oh my God. Don't reach like, out. Are you a drug addict? Like, <laughs> she's like, you're so, but that actually was one of the things she said, but you're always so calm. And I'm like, don't believe what you heard in the movies or what you see in the movies or, or posters or, you know, like, like people are people. If, if you're an asshole and you add gear in, you're going to be more of an asshole. If you're a nice guy and just a regular citizen, you're going to be more of a nice guy and a regular citizen. You're just going to be more jacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement on that. So with, with this new, I guess, definition of underrated, and overrated. Can you guys think of anything else that you would add to our list um, that that is currently at least underrated? Here's here's where my problem is. I don't think I follow like the YouTubes as much, where like people are talking about compounds. So like you you're going to be way more up on this than I am, Scott, on like what the hot compound is right now, or what the which yeah. ones are being neglected in the in the conversation. Um, it, I think it's easier to call out. Uh, compounds that are overrated than it is to say yeah uh, i agree with that yeah i think so too i think so too um but we'll go with what you're talking go go along that line that you were going with scott before i interrupted well i'm trying to think i mean i I was trying to get something more out of you guys because i'm with you 100 percent, man you know like that every compound does have its place and we do see like when we did the overrated segment, I mean, I could call Trent out all day on that because there's so many people that just like they think it's going to be like this magical thing that this is the reason that Chris Bumstead is who he is. You know what I mean? I don't even think Chris uses Trent, does he? No, he does. He says he doesn't. I heard, it, I heard he doesn't I, I believe it. it. I believe I it. Too. You know? Well, what about D-Ball? D-Ball is highly. <clears throat> yeah, there's a good one. There's a good one. I hate that. Uh, but it, it, I think it's underrated in the sense that it's an old school compound that really? isn't used anywhere near as much as it used to be. Now if you're you right. were on a bulk cycle, you know, back in the eighties and nineties and you weren't using D ball. <laughs> Even the I early two thousands. Yeah. Test deck of D ball. I mean, come on, you would just throw on yes, you would throw on a bunch of water, which is part of the reason probably that people don't like it because yeah. they throw on more water. But I a lot of those same individuals will be happy to run Anadrol, so explain that one. <laughs> yeah, but like Anadrol, you look better, you well, I, I was going to say you feel better, but you don't feel better. But you look better. And in and, and our sport, yeah, in our sport, yeah, but my appetite went to shit on D-ball, too. I mean, and I was, Mine does anymore. I can't run it nowadays, unfortunately. I, I loved it, though. 20 years. It, it was... D-ball yeah, was so my we, favorite compound. It really... D-ball was my... Uh, it, 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 to Anivar, to Skip's Anivar, you know, that's mm-hmm. that the D ball was my jam and I freaking loved it. But yeah, my appetite gets destroyed by it. I love the fact that you get that instantaneous strength in the first week or so. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it works quick. 
And and it was also the first thing I ever ran, so that's probably part of the reason why I like it. You know, there's a nostalgia factor there. The old Napasim five milligram tablets, those were great, man. I gained a ton, you know, and I kept a yeah. ton too. I didn't I didn't keep all the I kept about half of what I gained which I gained 20 pounds and then I was 10 pounds up when I was done with it. So, Hey, you know, but yeah, you I know got- what? I think you're right that people don't, you guys are right. People don't want to like gain the water weight. You know, they don't, they don't, and they don't want the estrogen conversion. I think mm-hmm. that nowadays the big, big focus lately has really, it's more advanced than it used to be. You know, mm-hmm. that nowadays people are really considering how they manage estrogen and people are afraid to let their estrogen run high. I remember a time when people are like, hey, run your estrogen as high as you can because that's going to help you grow muscle. And if your nipple starts, you know, hurting, then taking it, take a Novadex, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I can think of one compound that I feel is maybe underrated and that's okay. halotestin. I think halotestin, particularly not just in the pre contest, the last couple days phase, but I'm talking like, Here's one thing I, I like to do with people is I'll add halo testing in on, let's say a day on a body part we're really trying to bring up or a lift that we're trying to accomplish. Like, let's say they've been stuck at 295 on an inclined Smith bench and we're just trying to get to like 12 reps or something like that. And they've gotten 10, you know, 11, and then they lose a rep. Okay, let's throw in some halo testing, maybe some anadrol that day. Let's stack your testosterone up so you took your shot the day before, depending on what ester it is. Then let's go to the gym. And let's let's make sure that that chest day falls on that day, and and you're gonna you're gonna beat that plateau, and you're you're gonna have a new a new personal best. So I think just because I'm reaching for compounds in terms of which ones are underrated, I'll, I'll go with it. A lot nobody, of people just don't even know about it. You know, it's nobody, like so it's still exotic. It's exotic, and people typically only use it in the last 10, 12, 14 days before a contest prep. But I think it absolutely has applications, not as a long-term compound in the off season. Like I would never have someone run it four weeks, you know, in yeah. a row. In my, in my, the way I use it is it's more like one or two days a week on these body parts that are lagging that we're just trying to get some little extra aggression, some strength, and really have powerful muscle contractions for certain exercises. You know what? Uh, Which is a good thing you take a break too, because I mean the liver has to regenerate those well, that's cells. Why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why. I, I don't know what he does anymore, and I'm I know it's not this, but back when Jordan Peters was doing the Muscle Minds podcast every week. Um, he would use a compound like that for to, like as a plateau buster. And so mm-hmm. he would get to a point where his strength was peaked out and then he would run halo testing for two weeks. And then after that though, he would switch to like methyl trend for two weeks and then he'd switch to, and you know, something else, anadrol <laughs> or something for two weeks and then he'd be done, you know, he'd take a break. But yeah, he was cycling those those fast acting super androgenic strength building compounds. I think yeah. that's a great place for him for an advanced guy, you know, mm-hmm. I would not for somebody who was new, oh, you know? Yeah, no, this isn't for your kids or guys that are, you know, five years into training and, and, and still trying to, these are, this is for people that are advanced. This is for people that have tapped out their, um, Every available that they've set their nutrition perfectly to, for for that training day. They've they've tried a variety of methods with staggering their food, their cheat meals, free meals, whatever you want to call them around around these days to improve a body part. This is for people that are advanced that are that are trying to improve. You know, like you've gotten fifth place at the at the nationals two or three years in a row, and you're just not that one or two first or second place guy. You know, these are things you can use to help get you to that 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 you know that that that, that first call out or whatever you want to call it. So question we've gotten before then or or comment we've gotten before is, well, why do you guys have to be so elitist 
Why does it have to be that guy that's only allowed to use Halo? That, no, <laughs> you've seen the comments. Al- yeah, no, it's, it's not an allowed thing. It's just that, okay, so I don't need a... Um, I'm just trying to think of an analogy, I guess. Well, I drive a Toyota 4Runner. I don't need a Ferrari. I don't need... Because I'm not trying to drive fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, I stay in my lane. I get what I can. Maybe it's not the best analogy, but... You guys get where I'm going with that? I'm trying to, because then I feel like there's still a... There's a gap there. Well, we're not going to promote taking another compound to those... Uh-oh. To those people who um, I lo- lost my train of thought. Um, it's about to reach Halo out. Test into everybody. Well, yeah, yeah. You're going to jump to a compound when you don't have the details and everything else prior to that in place. So what that says it, for someone who thinks that or might think yeah. that same way, Scott, is, well, it's all about the compounds. No, it's about the minutia and it's mm-hmm. having everything else in order the things that matter, the rest, the increased calories. I mean, I laughed and said I'd take four or five days off and I'd come back and get three more reps, but I don't want to dig into that just you know, just yet. That mentality of someone who would think that or respond that way saying it's elitist is, is really along the lines of, well, why would I do that when I can just take an extra cup? I'm going to take some halotestin. We can't fix that type of mentality. We can't talk you out of that. We're just saying there are other things that should be in line and having your ducks in a row prior to that and then going, okay, now I'm going to throw some nitrous on top and I'm going to, you know, try to pick up this extra rep or two with this compound by taking this compound infrequently. Mm -hmm. How about like get the car up to top speed before you hit the nitrous button then? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't hit the nitrous in second gear. Here's another real world, you know, because like I got a kid from my gym up north and he periodically sends me DMs about should he do double you know, two training sessions in a day, or should he train six and seven days a week? And I'm like, and I gave him this really one time, I just gave him a long post. I'm like, look, bodybuilding at your age is very, very simple. You need five or six meals a day, higher in protein, moderate to higher in carbs. And when you stop gaining weight, you need to add a little bit more food, 10% of calories. I don't even care where the calories come from. Training wise, you need three or four sessions a week, hitting all the major big lifts, you know, your, 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 your leg presses, your squats, your deadlifts, your presses, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, because this kid's 17, 18 years old. I'm like, you do not need advanced training techniques. You do not need advanced strategies. That stuff comes down the road when you've tapped out your potential on all the tried and true methods. And, yes. you know, and, and, and maybe it's a, it's a problem with human psychology because he hears it, but it goes right out the other side. He goes, but what about adding in, you know, triple drop sets on every exercise? Or what about adding in, you know, a fifth training day? And I'm like, revert back to what I just said. Like yeah. literally, I, I I can't paint a, a, an easier picture for you because literally, th- it's what works. Like you just literally need to stay in your lane, and you need to. Ju- it's just going to take time. You can't cut time off of the progress that you're going to be making. You know. Yeah, or you can train harder and not be able to recover, and not grow anyway. And people don't understand that they likely don't have the recovery ability when they don't have the time under their belt to be able to make those jumps. It would be so nice. If God made the rules that the harder you work, the better you get, or Absolutely. the bigger you get, or the leaner you get. And and I just, people mm-hmm. don't hear it. Like you said, it goes in one ear and out the other. But it's not how hard, you know, we all want to be mentally tough and we want that, that, that badge of being the hardest training guy in the gym. But if you're not recovering, 
in your recovery ability doesn't allow you, then you're not going to progress. So you're not only wasting all that time, but you're arguably going to cause injuries and regress anyway. You need to find that individual balance to where you recover. You're training hard enough to grow and recover, and anything more than that is a waste anyway. Mm-hmm. I all always right. say this, like, are you addicted to training or are you addicted to the results? Because if you're yeah. addicted to training, go train six, seven days a week. That's fine. you know. Yep. But if you're addicted to the results, I'm, I'm trying to give you the clearest, quickest path to getting the most results possible. And if That's you're addicted segment. to training, get ready to not progress the way that you exactly. could. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great segue. That's a great segue. We got a couple of comments here. Uh, Skip, super excited to hear about your one week on, one week off experiment. Would love to hear about the progress as you go along. Um, would love to know what your specific goals are from the experiment and what you are measuring. We got that one. And then we also got this one too. Uh, he said, um, any news on Skip's training? Is is Skip the lady? What does that mean? I don't even know. What is, what is- Scott, Scott the non-binary the or whatever the alphabet people call what <laughs> i don't know but he doesn't have a name hey, either someone always has to user. try to inject social uh, all social i saw issues of politics into yeah. everything all i saw was the any news on skip's training so i was like oh grab that one too so thanks for ruining our our segue bud but skip you had some thoughts we we you you did your uh you put your idea out on the previous episode uh, and basically, you're thinking about training one week on, one week off. And there was a lot of people that commented that were like, this is really interesting. And I'd love to hear what your feedback is on this and how that works out. And then you had some people, too, that were like, why don't you try this? And why don't you try that? You know, and, I don't and, think that's going to work. <laughs> that wouldn't yeah. work for me, even though you've never tried it. So it's your best guess. So unleashing Skip's rant. Well, yeah, you know, I've calmed down since I, I ended up just getting out of the comments, to be honest with you, um, because I was getting irritated. I'm just being honest. Um, I, After processing it more, I think some of the people were genuinely trying to be helpful, related, you know, I think I'm relatable. That's cool. Uh, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I do the podcast with you guys because I've been training for just shy of 40 years. I don't have all the answers. I never claim to have all the answers. I like to share my experience, not only with myself, but with my clients for 20 plus years. And I, you know, I think I, I think I know a little something about training and dieting and gear. And I'm sometimes surprised (laughs) that, um, I don't expect, I said this, I don't expect deference. There was a time, you know, back in the message boards where you would get that. I don't think that that that's a great idea. I don't have a problem being challenged. I don't have a problem uh, with people questioning me. But when I put it out there and I explained it in detail, why I was going to do it, what I was doing, what the reasons were, I guess I was just surprised. It makes me think that maybe they didn't, the people who did respond with advice, or saying that it wasn't going to work, or it wouldn't work for me, or I feel, I, I kept reading, I feel, I feel it's not going to work. I feel that you should do this. I feel you should do that. I didn't ask for advice. I know that sounds shitty, but I didn't. I did ask you guys. I was putting it to you guys, you guys, Scott and, and Andrew, because 
so that I could explain the reasoning why to see if you guys thought it was logical because I have put this off for so long. I keep, I've had clients since this podcast came out who've hit me up and said, I heard you talking about that two years ago. You had a conversation with me two years ago, but I just thought you were kind of laughing it off. Well, I was at some point. But then after it kept happening over and over, I wanted to give it a shot. So I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I didn't bring it up as a topic of, yeah, well, this would be a good idea and try to bring people on board. If anybody's interested in doing it, cool. If you're not, that's cool too. But the reasoning behind it seems seems pretty logical, seems pretty pretty sensical. Will it stay that way? It, it may not. It may not even work. So what what I... The reason that I'm starting one week on, one week off is because it's very uh, extreme, I guess. From there, yeah, I pro- there's a possibility that it'll pull in, that it may be that there is this much smaller gap. Maybe I do blast for a week, cruise for a week. I, not too long ago, was blasting for two weeks and cruising for one week. My problem is, is I don't know if you guys had this problem, but... On my cruises, sometimes the cruises are going like you go in and all of a sudden you feel a little stronger. So you're not holding back as much as you should on a cruise. Yes. And I can do that for one or two cruises. But then I notice that my cruises or I'll be out of town and I'll be training with clients. So I'm like, I'm not going to cruise while I'm, right. you know, or I have a client in town, things like that. You know, we're going to bang. So mm-hmm. there are those things. The point is, is it's, a, it's a starting point. And I guess I was surprised that more people weren't intrigued. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. There were a lot of Maybe intrigued times people. are just different. It was 50, and, 50, and a lot of people have opinions. What's yeah, that? there were a lot of people that were interested. It was 50-50 in terms of Okay, but I'll and, say okay, this. I'm it watching. came later. It came kind of, let's, let's say it this way. There was more support and intrigue once I posted my longer post. <laughs> because oh, I, did, prior I saw to it that, out the gate, though. I saw a lot of people that were like this. I mean, I did see the other people, too. But I did see a lot of people that were like, this sounds interesting. Yeah, I saw you know. the 50-50. Yeah, I okay, about, I'd say about 50. I am going to single one person out. I'm not going to mention their name. And I want, I, I'm going to make sure that I explain this so that it doesn't sound disrespectful. If this person was trying to help, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be shitty about that. But I was really taken aback when, when one guy responded with the offer for me to send him the information on what I was doing, how many reps in reserve, what my training looked like. And everything basically just break it all down and he was going to give me you know my the training advice that i'm sorry but that to me is is a giant slap in the face i'm just being honest it's kind of like i literally looked at the comment and i was like 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 are you serious like i haven't been training I probably trained three times. I've done every schedule and and training sequence, and I don't know if there's one I haven't done outside of this one or something like this. That's why I have gone this more extreme, because I have seen that there might be something to this. Is it going to be one week on, one week off? No, but what it is saying is when I have this gap to allow reco- so much more recovery, I come back with – with in just a completely different place where a lot of people are saying i saw many comments well if i take a week off i come back weaker i would question then are you training hard enough because part of the reason i'm coming back stronger is i'm probably dancing with that overtraining line and then i take the time off so maybe going a week on week off isn't going to work after three or four um 
I don't want to say three or four. We'd be more like six weeks, but you know, yeah, three cycles. Because then I probably wouldn't. It's possible that the recovery wouldn't be needed at that. I don't know, but the point is, I'm going to see. And my bigger point is, I'm outside of the box, and I'm trying to encourage other people. That's how we learned back when there was only muscle magazines and when the internet had just started. I people like me and and Andrew and Scott, we didn't have people to go to to get advice or or knowledge or experience from so we had to learn and and do this trial and everything that's how i learned 90 percent of the shit that i have done or the things that i have learned over the years i've still to this day never worked with someone doesn't mean i haven't learned something from someone don't get me wrong but i haven't worked with anyone so it's just maybe a different mentality that that some people maybe can't relate to. I am a trial and error guy. I'm an outside of the box guy. I want to see what happens when I do things that other people don't do. Fair enough. I think that was well said. Yeah, I thought it was pretty, I mean, it's a novel concept and it's absolutely worth trying. And and I think on that reason alone, I think people should just be like, okay, let me wait and watch and see what happens, you know? I think yeah, it's kind of what I thought, but and I also think this because I think you guys both remember when Dante was really coming out with his theories, and there were people that kind of like us that were very open minded that were like, okay, that's interesting, like three training days a week, that's it, and you know your diet set up this way, and all the different things of DC training, and there was a whole bunch of people, and I think this is one of the major reasons why Dante got off the message boards saying that would never work. You're not training enough. You need to get on more of a bro split. There's not nearly enough volume to mm. grow. It yeah. was a novel concept at the time. Yes, some of the tenets were taken from previous uh, educators, coaches, trainers that had put some information out there, with the, you know, the extreme stretching and some of the other sure. high intensity trainers. But it was a novel concept on how to structure your training, how to structure your diet and how to structure your whole mentality of your, in your week in general. And, and I remember seeing the comments of some of these people challenging him and he's like, look, I'm not telling you people to do it. I'm telling you my thoughts and theories, what I've been doing with some guys that have put on 20 to 30 pounds of muscle in the last two years, you can look at it and continue to read and try it out yourself or not. I don't care, you know? And so I think this is a very similar novel approach that is worth looking at. And, and I, I'm, I'm keenly interested in seeing what happens. So yeah. you, and you're not doing it yet, right? So this no, is, you got stuff coming up, you're going to travel yeah. and then you're going to do it later. Cause that was the other thing is people were wanting to know if you had started it yet. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I travel um, to the UK and France. I'll be back. Um, I leave in a, a little over a week and I'll be back by on the 29th. So it'll start basically in September. I don't want any obstacles with travel or anything I, you know, which is what I thought I was clear on in the last podcast was I, I am a variable guy. I'm a patterns guy. So I want the variables to be constant. I'm not going to change my diet. I'm not going to change the way I approach training. I'm not going to go in and do like triple drop sets and rest pause and change my train. I'm going to go in with the same training. I'm just going to do it every other week and see what happens and then adjust from there. Uh, I say adjust from there, adjust from there if it needs to be adjusted. And I don't want to do it. I think I made that. I don't want to do it. I enjoy training. The idea of being off every other week is not terribly appealing. But if I'm going to progress like I have in the past when I take a week off and come back so much stronger, 
then yeah, I'm going to do that. The other thing was is someone or a couple people thought that I was doing it because of um, joint pain. I'm not doing it because of joint pain. When I say that I come back and my joints feel like a million bucks, that's the difference between I should probably say that joints aren't stiff. Everything is fluid. Everything is smooth versus, you know, training for almost 40 years when, you know what, I get up off the the, cou the couch or, <clears throat> excuse me, off the floor two days after training legs. Yeah, my knees are stiff. Yours will be too after you train for 40 years. But there's not pain. There's not joint pain or anything yeah. like that. I'm not getting around that. That has nothing to do with this um, experiment. All right. Well, listen, we got a bunch of listener questions. Let's see if we can rattle through some of them. We had one I, I really wanted to get your guys' feedback on uh, training-related. Um, he said, my back is probably my best muscle group. Uh, I can get an excellent contraction on anything except wide grip pull downs. I get amazing pumps and connection to the lats until I do a wide grip pull down. And it just kind of takes the wind out of my sails and it takes me a while to get back into my groove. This is only a recent thing. It's a movement I've been doing since I started training over a decade ago, um, but it's only been in the past year or so. Any advice would be appreciated. Who wants it? I would ask him, what does he do for work? And does he sit in front of a computer? Because guys like us coaches, you know, we do a lot of this, right? Where we're on a computer typing and our yeah. necks are lean forward, which puts a lot of strain. I'm and saying like that right now. Yeah, we all do. It's, it's horrible for the nerves that run through our neck. And my PT has me constantly reminding myself to tuck your chin in and sit mm. a little bit more upright, you know, just like Jordan Peterson says, like stand like a man, you know, chest out, ready to forthrightly take on the world, that kind of thing, and, which seems weird to sit there like this at your desk, but it's actually proper posture for your neck and spine. And where I'm going with this is that could be constricting the nerves that run down and innervate to those lats. Um, it's something I've experienced big time over the last three years. It's, it's really, especially on my right side, caused some damage. And I still hmm. to this day do therapy exercises every time I go to the gym, when I wake up in the morning, different things that I need to do on top of, you know, pushing my chin back in and not allowing it to stoop forward. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. I would ask this question. Um, within the last year, I'm asking this question to the guy that asked Liam yeah. um, to ask the question, but you all of a sudden started or changed your back, mm. your, your exercise selection for back to where it's more rowing and potentially deads. And the reason I ask that is because I have seen time. You guys have probably seen this too time and time again, that the, the heavy rowers and the heavy, the guys who pull heavy deads, they tend to be much stronger through the upper back. And if your lats are weak, you're going to have a hard time once the musculature of the upper back and around the shoulder blades is so much stronger to try to dig into. And, and I don't want to say isolate because you can't isolate the lats. You're working your entire back complex. But we're trying to focus on the lats more when you're huh. doing a pull up or a chin. And experience has shown me even, you know, I had a 212 guy who very, very thick through the upper back. And arguably these days, Lat development isn't as important as upper back development versus the 80s. You used to have Gaspari who came on with some of the most wicked lats ever, but his upper back really wasn't all that, all that great in comparison. And I think that may have 
Well, that isn't how it is now, I don't think. You see these very wide, thick upper backs, and the lats aren't as pronounced as they used. There's exceptions, obviously, from Kai to everybody. But the point is, is if you have that imbalance, it's going to be difficult then in doing the trying to isolate or get dig into the lats a little bit more when you have a musculature that surrounds the lats that's so strong it's good point kind of akin to if you have really strong front delts and you have a weak chest you're 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 gonna see that a lot because the front delts good luck getting to the chest when you're front it's harder you can get there but it's harder because the front delts want to do the work so that's a question that we don't that information wasn't in the question but that's something that i would wonder if uh, he has changed his uh exercise selection over the last year or so that's a great point i i'll add this what what do do does he need to do a wide lat pull down period like, and how wide need is to, wide yeah how wide no. is wide how wide is no. he going and does he necessarily need that? I know that we used to think like, well, the wider your hands are, the wider your lats are going to be, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. but we found that that's not necessarily true. And I found that for me, I, I like like shoulder width. So yeah, about mm-hmm. right here or even closer. And I can definitely like, I'll draw that motherfucker down and pull those, you know, those elbows down and back and I can you know, get a hell of a contraction out of my lats and they're going to grow just as wide as if I were, you know, super wide. In fact, one of them would start cramping up on me when I did that a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, does he need that exercise? Does he need yeah. to go wide to make it work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the shoulder health has changed over the years, too, and it's not allowing him and kind of to jump on to Skip's point just the way his shoulder girdle is riding now by going so wide, it's not allowing the same tracking movement of his elbow coming down. So he's not targeting his lats probably also because of the overdevelopment of other issues. Cause he did say his back was one of his best body parts. So which yeah. kind of lends right in with what, you know, everything we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. We all three had like completely different, unique answers. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe hopefully one of us is right. Yeah, <laughs> maybe all of us. Who knows, man? You see the guys that like the guys who have um, like kind of reminds me of what you were saying, Skip, but different. You the guys who have like incredible biceps, like just the wackiest biceps, and then when they turn around, they don't have a back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a gift and a curse. And sometimes it's actually even forearms over biceps mm, yeah. because of the brachialis. So then you have to wonder how much brachialis work are you getting? Mm-hmm. Are you pulling from your elbows or are you pulling from your hands? Here's a question well, There's for a you lot guys. there. Back, back training is very comp- – it's the most complicated of any muscle group to train correctly. I'd agree. Here's a question about with the backs in particular in training. Do you guys try to squeeze a bar handle, whatever it might be, or do you try to just as lightly as you can to still keep contact in hook. your palm? Hooked, yep, yeah, okay. hooked, yeah, yeah, right up in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I, I think this is a teaching point because you see people like grip the hell out of whatever yeah. they're trying to lift, and I do mm-hmm. think there's some you can that that lends itself to pressing exercises with more muscular contraction going through the chest. But I think like we're talking about, it puts a lot of that stress on your forearms and biceps to do the work versus the lat and treating it like it's just a rope attached to the bar right. and your elbows pulling back. Yep. Your wrists yeah. should be limp. They you should literally doing. just be, yeah, I know. <laughs> I figured one of you would jump on that thing, Andrew. <laughs> Limp wrist that bitch. Um, but no offense to anyone, be, I'm kidding, literally. <laughs> uh. The wrist, 
they shouldn't, in my opinion, they shouldn't be rigid. They should basically yeah. just be a connector. It should be a swivel point in a yeah. sense. And that's why I think the hook grip, I think the hook grip is better for everything on, um, for any type of pulling, rowing, lap pulls, chins, whatever. Straps help me with that a lot. You know, I just mm-hmm. lean into the straps. I strap up tight and then literally just lean into those straps and, you know, but here's I hardly the thing have with to straps. Get yeah. Straps tend to encourage whole hand grip. Really? And that's, yeah, I think so. I, I think a lot of people who use straps, we might not because okay. we have the experience, But because I agree with you. But like as an example, when I wrap, I wrap once. I don't wrap the whole damn thing. You can wrap the whole thing if you want. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people wrap the whole thing, and they're whole handing it where I mm-hmm. mine's loose. I'm mm-hmm. still hook gripping it with the strap. It and pins I think it down, right? Vitally important. Like What's the, that? Your, your hand pins the strap down, right? Exactly. Because you don't yeah. need to wrap around a pin. Yeah. You just get the hand no. on it like that. Right. Yeah, it's not yeah. to get that strap as tight as possible. The strap is literally trapping the bar between yeah. your hand and the strap. When you get I the use, strap too tight, sorry to cut you off, Scott. Yeah. Well, I was going to say when you when you get when you tighten that strap too tight, you might notice that then it torques your wrist and you're definitely yeah, right. using a lot more forearm, right? So you, yeah. so how many times have you grabbed like a T bar or something and like you get it and you're like, nope, you put it back down, you loosen it up like a good half turn, and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. I got the hook again, exactly. Exactly. I like leather straps. I started Same. using them. A f- you use leather? Sheepskin. Yeah, I started yeah. using them a few years ago. I never, well, five, six, seven years ago now. I've never yeah. gone back, man. They I don't kinda, like them. They're slick. I'm old school cotton. Gave me the $18 Elite FTX. Mine are I slick. Them. They stick. They stick. Yeah. And they have yeah. like an elastic to them. So when you get it on there, it like stretches onto it. I guess right by, I'm, I'm, I'm also a very right sweaty guy. I, uh, I have to use liquid chalk constantly to keep a grip on anything I'm doing. My hands sweat profusely. Yeah, I couldn't. That is not happening for me. Really? <laughs> yeah. But I, and I ripped through them because obviously they don't, you know, they tear, you know, and they wear over time. But I, I go with those cheap old school, the ones I use in the 80s. The they're I think they're cotton, not cotton, cotton slash. I can't use the polyester ones. They're slick as well. That's funny. I, I paid ten bucks or six bucks mm-hmm. for these at the Arnold, and then the next year I came back by and I got another pair of them. But I don't find them slick at all. I'd love for you me to neither. try them if we get a chance to train sometime. You, I might, I might change your mind on it because there's oh, something I, about that it. one. Might be a little. That one might be a little bit different. But I've tried. Shit. Yeah, they're not slick. Actually, they, they're almost a little sticky, right? They, I mean, that's okay. what I get out of here. When they yeah. get wet, they get a little sticky. So, and you get a little okay. sweaty. You know, they do. Yeah, they do. It's a sweet spot. It's a sweet. And spot. I always have yeah. three. Yeah. Three sets, gray, black, and red, because I got a match. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys something else about straps. And I, I, how long do you think it takes for anybody who's not using straps now and they're watching this and they're like, "Oh, the guys are saying use straps." How long do you think it takes to figure out how to actually use them and get a lot out of them? Because it's not that first workout you ever try them. <laughs> <laughs> right. The the oh, brain the doesn't go with wrapping it opposite. Yeah, I noticed right. that when I train clients one on one, they'd have one wrapped opposite and the other one they'd have it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to go back. And it's funny because it's a coordination issue. If you're right handed, you can, you tend to get it. You start with your right hand and you get it right. And then on the other one, you're not coordinated. And then it's over the bar. I'm like, you're not trapping the bar with that. You got to get that in there. That's funny. And how long does it take for you to get wrapped? I mean, 10 seconds, seconds maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's just no. not that. That How long. long does it take to figure it out? I usually tell people you got to do it for like a month straight before Probably. you actually start to get it. That's and what don't I say. rely. Don't rely on the straps. Use the straps on your heavy sets. 
Um, and people who com- uh, complain, but people who are concerned because they don't have very good forearm development, you need that grip strength. Oh, you don't yeah. want to have to rely on those straps until you get into your heavier sets. I let them hang from my wrist, and people have asked me, you have them on, but you don't use them. Like I do on occasion, but I have them right here if I need them. So if for some reason I feel like my grip is going or I'm going heavier and I'm having a hard time. It depends on the exercise, too. Plus, so, it looks more it, hardcore. So when you walk around, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't do chins or pull-ups without straps because my hands Same. move. Same. That just drives me nuts. Somebody had asked Scott and Andrew post a link to the brand of straps you have. Uh, I will tell you the name right now. It's dbgear.net. It's my buddy Dylan Burns's company. Okay. Uh, he makes belts. He makes straps. He makes knee sleeves. He makes a whole bunch of good stuff. T-shirts. A whole bunch of good good things. Dbgear.net. I was going to say mine are just an off brand from the Arnold, like one of those equipment booths where they just have like a little bit of everything and you can buy like a, a dip belt, you know, and a t-shirt yeah. with some slogan on it. That's in, like, it doesn't have a, you know, just says like train insane or something, you know, with like a donkey <laughs> or, uh, wearing a, <laughs> wearing a squat shoes or something. I don't know. But but I was gonna say elite donkey? though. Yeah, I don't know. I just made that up. That was so random. How about, yeah. how about, I was gonna say rhino and donkey came out. <laughs> I know elite has them too. So if you want to support Dave Tate, you can get them from Elite FTS as well. Um, oh, we had another one here. We had a bunch of them actually. Let's see if I can get back to where it was. There it is. Um, we'll go here next. Uh, discussion on energy drinks. Um, Let's see. We all know that one guy who drinks more than a few a day and justifies it with it's sugar free, bro, or it's zero calorie, bro. Um, how do they affect bodybuilding, dieting, blood work and overall health? Hmm. I mean, you guys have seen me slam one right before. <laughs> and you even said that one time. He's like, did you just drink that whole thing? <laughs> I have remember no the other day at 53, a couple months ago, you were like slamming one. Remember a couple of months ago, you were like, why does my, what do you say? Like, why does my eye hurt? Or why do I want to? <laughs> it was, um, you were driving. You were driving back from Wisconsin. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you're oh, like, oh, good point. Why does my. What, Your like, eyes were eyes, hurting. They were dry. They were really burning. Good. They were yeah. all of a sudden watering and burning. So, man, that's a good point. I totally forgot about that. And this is great with this. That's a, I called you. I called you guys. I think because yeah, I couldn't like pull off. It happened twice. I couldn't pull off fast if I couldn't see my. It felt like acid in my eyes, and they were watering. And because I wear glasses when I drive, I I'm trying to do it, and I can't see. And I'm trying to wipe, and I can't see to pull over. It was. I was scared. Oh and I, come to find out, it was because I had had a. I normally have one Monster Zero a day. I have it with the meal before I train. It's almost like a ritual. I don't think it really does anything, but it makes me feel like, okay, yeah. Because remember, I can't do things like pre-workouts. I can't do pre-workouts because of beta alanine and the nerve damage uh, that I have from um, PHN from shingles for 20 years ago. But anyway... I had, I think I said I drank one every six hours with a meal because I was eating my meals every three hours. And it was that something in it that was built. And I didn't notice it until I had just started drinking that one on the way back because it happened there on the way to Wisconsin. Then I was on the way back and it happened halfway through a can. And I'm like, oh my God, it's this monster. Like what, what is in this crap? But it's like, it was like battery acid in my eyes. It was horrible. 
absolutely horrible. And Andrew, you're saying that's from like a cheaper form of caffeine? Well, so there's a big difference between natural caffeine and synthetic caffeine. And the synthetic caffeines interact, especially when you're taking them like in Skip's case, 600, 900 milligrams and back-to-back dosages throughout the day just to well, stay but up. But they were six hours apart. And because it's such a high peak and a high drop, I honestly, to me, logically, it, it, I thought, I've cleared this caffeine. This is no problem. And it was a problem. Well, in theory, you might have cleared the first one, but probably not all of it. And then yeah, the, blood levels, yeah. Yeah, the caffeine blood levels went up again, and then they kind of started to clear a little bit. But you, now you have, let's say... I don't know. Let's say there's a three hour half-life on caffeine. I can't remember exactly what it is, but by the end of the day, you were basically still having a full caffeine dose on top of like three other caffeine doses that were affecting you. And yeah, the, the, the synthetic caffeines will affect you a little bit differently than if you were to drink, say three large coffees throughout the day with a more natural source of caffeine for sure. Um, And I was drinking no other water (laughs) because I didn't want to have to pull, you know, pull over, pee over and pull. God damn pull over and pee any more than I needed to. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, get back to the person's question. There's a couple things, you know, um, you know, a lot of people, there's all these articles and stuff that I've seen lately about like say sucralose or about, um, the other non-nutritive sweeteners. And, yeah. and, and I'm of the theory, and not actually not a theory. There's, there's tons of studies out here, unless you are consuming an inordinate amount, like mm-hmm. probably a case of 12 to 15 of those drinks a day, you are not doing enough to disaffect your, or to affect your gut bacteria to, to cause a problem, right? Mm. Because like, for instance, like sucralose, right? All it is is a sugar molecule with chlorine attached to it. The amylase enzyme tries to get in there. It can't get in there because chlorine's attached. You get the sweet taste on your tongue. It goes into your digestive system, but the bacteria in your gut can cleave that ends. Uh, you can cleave that that bond between chlorine and sugar and digest some of the sugar. Then at that point, hmm. right? And if you are consuming enough sucralose, enough sugar in your gut, your bacteria can propagate and produce gas and produce you know all that other fun stuff that comes with you know using sugar alcohols and, and too much non-nutritive sweetener. Is it dangerous? Not necessarily, but most of us aren't doing a case of these drinks a day. We're doing like in this yeah. person's case, let's say three of them tops, right? Even then there's not enough sucralose or non-nutritive sweetener in there to cause an effect for the majority of people, right? Yeah. The other effect is constantly bombarding yourself with caffeine throughout the day, causing um, some issues with your sympathetic nervous system. You're constantly right. sympathetically hitting it. You're constantly <laughs> causing, what's so funny? I just, yeah, I'm just thinking about like being freaking mm-hmm. jacked on caffeine constantly like that. I'm thinking about, yeah, man, you're just like, on always yeah but but here's the thing though and we all know this like just like any compound the more and more you use of it the less of a beneficial or um, ergogenic effect we get from it but it's still affecting your nervous system right so i mean number one thing i tell people to do before a prep or not number one but one of the many things is hey let's pull all your caffeine and stimulants out for a good three weeks or so if you want to have one cup of coffee a day no big deal but let's cut the energy drinks let's cut all that stuff i'd rather save it for down the line when you need it not for so much for a pick-me-up but because an energy drink tastes good when all you're eating is chicken and rice five yeah. times a day, six times a day. You know, an energy drink does give you a little pick me up when you're dragging and you're on your second hour of cardio. It's, it's, it's something to look forward to, right? Skip says he looks forward to the ritual of his pre-workout meal and that monster energy drink. Yeah. It tastes good. Um, it, it, it just puts him in his mode to get ready to start training. What I don't like to see is people doing like a large gulp coffee in the morning and then middle of the day they do a bang energy drink. And then God. they do two scoops of pre-workout before they go train in the evening. To me, that's a great way to get yourself into sympathetic overload and to um, to basically 
make sure that you're not going to have successful workouts mm -hmm. subsequently down the line. You know, yep. um, I think you need to detox yourself off that stuff for sure. Yeah, and the impact on the adrenals and everything. It's just really, it, it, I ended up switching to, I still had the one monster, but I switched to, uh, my wife and I buy Waterloo sparkling water. Mm -hmm. Because it, this is the part that I didn't say. I, I have no problem drinking regular water, but because I have this throat thing where if I don't liquefy my chicken, sometimes it'll get stuck in my throat and I have to hack mm. it up. I If I drink something that's carbonated with the food, it works better to make sure that the food doesn't get stuck. Nice. Uh, and and it, so we went to sparkling water and I checked on it at first because my wife was buying it. And I'm like, this something's something's got to be bad in here. Huh, and no I, I did a little bit of due diligence and the body treats carbonated water uh, exactly the same as regular. Obviously, okay. you can be a little more burpy. Yeah. Um, Hold on, though, because I did this experiment in okay. about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, I was doing a two liter bottle of Diet Mountain Dew a day on top of probably another soda on top of that. A lot I remember of you telling us about that one time. Yeah. And I was getting massive, massive twitches in my eyes and my, like right here in my eyes. Yeah, but that's Diet like, Soda. This is sparkling water. No, 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 no. The, the carbonic acid will leach magnesium and uh, potassium out of your muscle tissue. At a certain amount. I'm not saying that the, a couple sparkling sodas. I mean, I drink at least three of these a day, you know, or th some type of diet soda. You know, how much did you, how much did you, were you drinking? Minimum was a two liter bottle. Oh, there's okay. caffeine so, in that too, right? So there's a, like, so the, yeah, caffeine. even in the diet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, it was, it was, I, let's just say I, I, I was in that eat big, get big, you know, like, not <laughs> it was regular. Wait, wait, wait. Was this diet Mountain Dew? No, or was this regular? It was this diet. is So oh, I have never diet. in my life, okay. never in my life, like past the age of like seven, it just didn't make sense to me to drink sugar, right? Yeah. Like if I want to eat, if I want to get sugar, I'm going to eat something that tastes good. Yeah. Especially exactly. when a diet soda to me tastes just as good as yeah. a regular yep. soda. You know, the only time I've had a diet soda was when my blood or a regular soda was when my blood sugar was 28, and I'm like, okay, I got to get this back up fast. You know. But, but when people are like, oh, I just can't wait to get done the show and have a regular Coke, I'm like, what? Ever? Never. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. the last thing I would want to do. I want to eat something that tastes good, and I want to drink. I'll, I'll drink my regular diet soda with it. You know, I was so you were having a little of, muscle twitches, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was drinking a lot of soda for like five, four years ago, something like that. And I'm really glad that I got off of drinking so much. Now I'll drink like one a day. And that's, mm -hmm. and I'll usually like do that with a meal in the afternoon or toward the evening. But besides that, I'll, I'll usually drink either water or add some crystal light for flavor. Mm -hmm. Or then at the end of the night, I'll have one of those mountain ice drinks that, that Andrew mm -hmm. and I both drink. And that's like mm -hmm. my special treat. I remember a guy, and th this guy was in recovery, right? So we, we were both in uh, a 12-step program. He ended up having to go to the hospital. So being an addict, right, you overdo things. He was drinking like over a dozen monsters a day. Oh, and he had, I can't remember if he had a heart attack or something went wrong with his heart, but whatever it was, he had to go to the hospital and it was the overload of potassium mm -hmm. from having drank so many monsters. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 20 of any drink is probably not going to be good for you. You know what I mean? But the reality is, Skip, I think you're all right because uh, by the standard of today's energy drinks, uh, a, a monster is basically like a, it's nothing, you know? Yeah, it's water. Not that it's, it, yeah, it's, it's water. 
Yeah, it's basically water now compared to like what they have out now with the banging. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, when it did that to my eyes, I'm going to be honest with you. I went in to go to the bathroom. And I thought, if I pee and it feels like that, <laughs> and I started peeing, I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. But really, really bad. I the the burning and it was and it would not stop. It just and then all of a sudden it would. So it was a few minutes, just like a hose, just running and just just rubbing, just going. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is horrible. And then it just stopped. We got this one for drugs and stuff, but I wanted to ask you guys too. Um, Here's one for drugs and stuff. Um, how to use testosterone testosterone undecanoate for a longer cycle versus TRT dosing, uh, shot frequency and dosage options, and how to transition from TRT to a test use cycle. Well, the second part's easy. Take more than what your TRT prescribed prescription says. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I would dose it every other day still. I know it's a longer ester, but I would still dose it every other day. I still think that, I mean, if you just look, if you type in um, testosterone and single testosterone injection versus daily, or maybe it's every other day injections, you can see the chart from the studies they did and your, your, your blood levels stay much more in a higher, more even range versus like this once a week or every other week injection frequency. I would rather feel the same. Like Skip's always talking about variables, right? That's a variable you can control. If you can keep your mm -hmm. testosterone levels at a normal uh, level, then you can throw, you know, it, it just gives you other things to play with in terms of variables because you're keeping that constant versus being high one day. And then as the week goes on or two weeks goes on, you're dropping down to the tanks. I, I just, I don't like doing that. I've had clients who said they were getting their TRT shots at the doctor's office every two weeks. I'm like, just quit. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, and they're like, what? I'm like, just don't even do it. Go get a different doctor. Like, that's just a waste. Your mm -hmm. wife is going to be walking with a limp for three days every two weeks. <laughs> and then, then wondering if you don't even like her anymore 10 days later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think you got a girlfriend or something every other week. Mm -hmm. So would you guys suggest, so test, undecanoate nabito uh I, it's four milliliters i think that's 400 milligrams and it's like a, a once every three month shot is what they do yeah, um, yeah it's a, I've got a, couple a crazy clients, shot do you really yeah. yeah so would you guys even suggest it and actually i was just no. curious so i pulled up a chart here check this out this is a nabito chart i believe um and these are serum testosterone levels mm-hmm over a seven day period. So after it peaks literally at one week mm -hmm. and then it starts going down, um, you literally so, are back down to where you were. So after 70 days, to 450, 850 to 450 over 70 days, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I don't like that. I, I don't either. I, I don't if it's like your only option, maybe. And there yeah, are ways around it. You could add test dosing to it, but if yeah. you've got, if you're, if you have testosterone available to you to add to a nabito shot, then just throw the nabito in the trash and just use the <laughs> testosterone that you have available to you. So, I mean, to me, it's just not. Uh, my one client who is using one of them, um, he's a 
doctor in a different country. And he uses a Nibido, but he also uses regular testosterone as well. And it took, I want to say the better part of probably nine months to get him to where he wasn't gaining weight those couple, you know, those couple weeks after a shot and having those obvious symptoms of, you know, like when you see a four and you want to smash it, like waiting at the (laughs) bus stop or something, the the transit bus or something like that. You're like, oh yeah, I'd smash that. Then you have, (laughs) you have, (laughs) you have testosterone levels that are through the roof. You want to keep those stable. And we've said this before, you know, quite a few times. It's not just about the testosterone levels remaining stable. You want the testosterone level stable so that you can also keep estrogen level stable because if one is fluctuating, so is the other one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because that would be a mess. Let's see what else we have here. And then you start crying while you're watching Titanic. And, you know, it's just not it's not terribly alpha. (laughs) Okay, so we had this question. Skip and I covered it on another episode, but we didn't get a chance to ask Andrew. So I'm going to throw this one up here. from Frank Sullivan from Patreon. He says, uh, a few of these were from Patreon, by the way. Thank you guys for your support over there. Uh, was there a time in your life early on when you would have traded years of your life for inches of progress? Like if literally God Almighty himself said, here's the deal. I'm not going to tell you what uh, how long you're going to live, but I am willing to give you an inch of additional size over your entire body and muscle um, for for five years of your life, would you have done it? Well, in a way, I've already all of us have already made that pact. He <laughs> <laughs> sure did. He yeah. sure did. I, I don't think we got a clear cut necessary inch in exchange for five years because no one knows exactly you know when their time is. But there's no doubt that every injection you take is doing something to probably shorten your life in some respect. So yeah, I made that decision a long time ago. You know, if you if you want to live in a bubble and not try to excel at things and not try to be great at something, sure, that's cool, that's great. But did you actually live? You know, um, so I I think all of us in this podcast and all of our listeners, you know, have made that conscious decision that hey, I'm willing to trade a little bit of this to live more now and to try to achieve something that wouldn't have been possible without using some of these substances. So yeah, it's, it's worth it to me and it's worth it to other people. You know, I wonder if that changes as we get to be 60, 65, 70. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think there's never been a better time to be alive as a human being in terms of life expectancy and, um, in, in ease and quality of life. So I feel pretty good with my decisions knowing that as well. That's what I argued. Quality of life. Yep, if I had to train five years thing. in a yeah in a nursing home, drooling on myself, smelling like mothballs, I'll trade that five years. Skip, mm-hmm. will you read this one? Yeah. Question for the next episode. Either no, you I thought you're gonna, gonna I thought you're gonna yell because he had it. Oh. <laughs> I figured if I Damn, asked him, I missed you would it. Yell. <laughs> I missed it. I was wondering. I'm like, why does he want me to read it? Maybe there's a tough word in here. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) Question for the next episode. Either you guys get a drastic increase in appetite from Nandrolone. I'm a few weeks into my first experience with it, and I'm ravenous. Thanks in advance. Thumbs up. Bicep. Honey. (laughs) I think it's placebo. Me too. I was thinking the same. Because Nandrolone, uh, I mean, he says he's using DECA. Is he, uh, which was yeah. Nandro? 
Did he say Let's, Decca or did you say Nandrolone? Well, I didn't say, yeah. I'm sorry. I I'm assuming when most people say Nandrolone, they're talking about Decca, right? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, he would have said NPP. Um, yeah, I, there's, you're not feeling that in a week. You're not, uh, it's not changing your appetite in a week. But I'll tell you what, the power of the placebo effect is real. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been plenty of studies in, in terms, especially using D ball, which we talked about earlier, with, you know, half the uh, subjects getting, I think, 25 or 50 megs of D ball day and the other half getting, um, 25 or they're just getting sugar pills and they were all told that they were getting D-ball. And the odd thing was, is that the sugar pill group people did better than the D-ball group in terms of muscular gains and strength gains in that study, if I remember correctly. Is not, that what it not, was? Not significantly. Or maybe they did this. Maybe they told the D-ball group, you're getting sugar pills in this test and the other group's getting, uh, I think that's what they did. So, and that proves the placebo effect even more. If you think mm-hmm. you're on something, you, you, you're training harder, you're eating better, you're, you're crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's and you're getting all the progress. Nope. We got one from big Aaron in Thailand on Patreon. And he says, um, based on Andrew's past runs with high dose GH, how would you dose that across the day? Say in 12 to 20 units. Is there anything to be said um, about there being no extra IGF production with GH input over two IU doses per shot? Um, Could he also tell us a bit more on his personal experience at those doses as I'm getting ready to do the same after the next planned cruise break? And I'm getting excited. Broke, but excited. Yeah. Um, You know, I would dose it all at once. Um, following training. That's that's my favorite protocol, especially if you've been using insulin in either your post-workout meal, pre-workout meal, or um, intra-workout. I think there's synergy there. I know there's synergy there. Um, so yeah, I would take the full dose at once. I know a lot of people like to do things like X amount of units first thing in the morning, X amount of units later. GH is going to work no matter when you take it throughout the day. I just think there's a, the most advantageous time in, a, in terms of getting synergy between IGF-1 receptors translocated to the surface of the cell from A, uh, muscular contractions, B, um, insulin if you're using it, because insulin will translocate IGF-1 transporters, and then adding the GH, liver causes IGF release. I just think there's synergy there. Um, But I don't think you would, it's not like, it's not like, you know, you'd get half the results if you did half your GH in the morning and half your GH at night. GH works, okay. Um, What was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. Was it um, um, also, could you also tell us a little bit more about your personal experience at those doses? So I've never used 20. Um, I, I'd go broke if I did that, but I did use 18. <laughs> so big difference, right? No, but um, <laughs> honestly, if, if it's real growth hormone and farm grade, I think you're going to feel like a million bucks. I think you're going to feel, you're going to wake up with a pump. You're going to go to bed with a pump. You're going to sit at the computer with a pump. You're going to go to the mirror. And you're just going to take your shirt off and be like, Jesus Christ. Like I've never seen, at least for myself, and I do believe I'm a, I'm a much better peptide responder than, than androgens, um, a transformation from being flat at five to six units of GH to full all the time, looking like I just got out of an upper body workout every single day, every hour of the day. Um, and you feel good when you're on it too. Like I know people are like, oh, doesn't it suck when you like go to like scratch your head and you like can't even touch your forehead because your arm feels so pumped? No, it feels. Yeah. It's probably how Jay Cutler felt. It's probably how Ronnie felt twenty four seven. You know, I got to have a little piece of that for a small, a short period of time, and um, I loved every minute of it. The reason why I don't do it is 
all the time is a the cost you know i mean i was spending 90 to 100 dollars a day on growth hormone for that for that period of time and you know i'm not doing the olympia so i i, I don't see a reason to continue doing that um especially when there's other things I need to be spending my funds on. But um, sleep was awesome. I, I was tired throughout the day, very lethargic. Uh, That's what Dave again, said too. Dave said he was like trying, he, he would almost want to like just pass out. He was so tired from, uh, from like 25 I, units. I would do a lot of this. I would be working at my computer and like maybe every 30 minutes I could just put my head back like this. Yeah. And I could, I could take like a five minute nap and then I'd yeah. snap out of it and I'd go back to doing what I was doing. And um, the pumps at the gym were unreal. I mean, it's it, the pumps were absolutely out of this world. Yeah. Every, every time, you, you know, I'm, I'm someone that doesn't like to pose after training, you know, uh, especially like when there's people around, but like, it was like, you know, let's see what it looks like today. Cause it was just getting better and better. It was, it was an awesome experience. Um, in terms of blood sugar, I was very fortunate. My blood sugar never went above 88 during that whole period of time. And I should also say that I, at the same time, I had overdieted myself previously before I started this. And, and I think I was around 200, 250 grams of carbs a day. We bumped my food up to about 700, 750 grams of carbs a day on average baseline, right? And I did not see a concomitant, you know, rise in blood sugar, which a lot of people would see when they bumped their growth hormone that high. So that, but that is something that most people want to pay attention to, you know? And I wasn't using metformin or berberine at the time. You know, I think I was just so deep in the hole and insulin sensitive at that time that it would have taken a longer period at that dosage of growth hormone mm -hmm. to see a real major mm -hmm. hit to my insulin sensitivity. How long did you run those doses? About 40, 42, 43 days. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So I ran uh, hydrotropin when the original hydrotropins first came out. And Bill Llewellyn had a person that did testing on them. And they came back to be 99 point something, something pure. It was even more pure than one of the farm grades that they tested back when they, this is back when he did the, um, do you remember he did the underground, underground mm -hmm. gear reference guide? It was like maybe oh, yeah. 2012 or something like that. He does one almost every year. Does he now? Okay. He, well, I think every other year, but yeah, there was a time where he did like the underground, you know, 2006, anabolics, 2007, anabolics. Well, they, Cause I remember they had the anabolics. But then he also did the underground one where he was actually testing under U popular UGL labs. Yeah, okay, I do remember that then. And they're they're putting that out. So tested out as pure, and the original hydrotropin was supposed to be something like two units higher per vial than what it claimed to be, because they came out with there was two different hydrotropins. I don't know if you guys knew about this story, but there was the originals, and then somebody else, because this is the world of the underground. Another company took the exact same label and they started making their own version of it which also contained the real legit stuff okay <laughs> and they both were competing for business and so one of them started making them stronger to try to say like hey we're the better one but i took seven units of that uh with igf and tons of insulin at the time and i do remember getting like the the tingling hands especially and i never got like real bad carpal tunnel but i noticed my hands would fall asleep more easily like if my arm was up mm -hmm. it would just my hand would start start falling asleep faster than it normally did now you were taking way more than that uh what did you did you get any kind of like the tingly hands or carpal tunnel or anything I'll say this, that yeah, sleep was incredibly uncomfortable because mm -hmm. unless I laid with my hands, like almost like I had to take a pillow on each side yeah. and prop them up 
so that my arm stayed like level with my my chest almost my body and not fall down i couldn't really sleep on my side for more than 10 minutes at a time because it would just go numb yeah no the the, the whole that that was uncomfortable but I was making up for it by sleeping during the day in my chair. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I figured I'd ask. I figured I'd ask because I no, remember that, that was a pain in the butt for me. That that would be like one of the negative side effects for sure. But I mean, I think I've told you guys before. I don't mind negative side effects because it lets me know that the compound's real and the compound's working. So yeah, um, I, I I'm willing to take it. You know, it, it, that wasn't anything that would deter me from doing it again. The cost is probably the biggest thing that would deter me from being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember at that time I had gotten sick. I, like I like people at work had the flu and I caught the flu and I was home and I was really sick and my girlfriend came over and she was like it's really hard to like see you as being sick right now because your skin is like glowing and it still looks really good. Like you still mm -hmm. look like super healthy. You don't look like you're sick. You almost look like you're faking. Here mm -hmm. I am like I can't eat and I just threw up before she came over. <laughs> I actually got COVID uh, right at the trail end of that, I believe it was. Oh, no kidding. Oh, never mind. That was a year afterward. No, never mind. That was a year afterwards. Sorry. Okay. Uh, let me see if we had anything in here uh, worth mentioning. Somebody said, uh, that's why God made Ambien. I'm sure that relates to drinking too many energy drinks. <laughs> let me give that one a, uh, where's that at? A... Let's think about it. <laughs> you like that? Oh, what the hell? Face. <laughs> what about Ambien, Andrew? I was just asking, what do you guys feel about Ambien? Oh. And, and compounds like Trazodone or some of the other things people use to help sleep and relax? My thing is, I sleep like a rock. So I have never used any of those things for sleep. It's rare that I have any type of sleep issue. How about like for clients though? A lot of times I'm honest with them and I tell them I've never used anything. So it's outside of my wheelhouse. Like I'd love to help you, but I don't know what to tell you. I'm not, I'm not, um, and I'm not saying you guys are, but I'm always careful. I don't tell people, you know, to or tell them, look, yeah, oh, I heard, you know, this or that, or yeah, yeah, go ahead and use it. If I haven't used it, I'm very apprehensive about telling someone to use something because I can't, it's not relatable to me. I, I don't have yeah. much, you know, feedback. I'll say this, that I think that, so the, the first thing we always hear about any type of sleep medication is it's just a Band-Aid. It's not going to actually fix the problem and the quality of sleep you get isn't as good as real sleep. Um, I totally agree with that 100%. But if somebody isn't able to sleep and then they are able to sleep because of it, that it can be very refreshing if you're getting even poor quality of sleep, but you got nine hours of it compared to getting three. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely be very leery of making that your full-time fix for say being at the end of a contest prep or you know you're six weeks out and you can't sleep it's not a great idea to start that i could see that being a long-term issue or mm -hmm. you know like oh, i have to take it when i'm running trend you know I, mm -hmm. I don't think that's a good answer but you know short-term band-aid type thing or hey you got some crazy jet lag maybe there mm -hmm. you know a one-off i could see it being possibly helpful i don't know what do you think 
I, I would agree with you. I, I think like, you know, it's end of the prep last two weeks. Clients like, man, I, I'm waking up every two hours or I'm, I'm waking up at 3 a.m. and I can't go back to sleep to, or I can't even fall asleep. I think it's it's a like you said, a, a good Band-Aid for that situation. And I've done those things, whether it's Trazodone, Ambien, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's something that I don't want to continue after the show. And usually, you know, once they have their free meal the Saturday night after the show, they get one of their best nights sleep. And yeah. then Sunday have one or two meals and they just get back to doing more regular stuff the cardio goes down the stress of knowing they're going to be judged by everybody is going down just naturally people start getting much better sleep and and the issue takes care of itself but but i I agree with you scott i think um as a band-aid to at least get some time of sleep even if it's not the best quality um overrides the risks or whatnot of dependency on that kind of stuff because i just haven't seen bodybuilders get dependent on those kind of compounds long term you know, yeah. Or if you're someone like me, you know, then you better watch it. You know what I mean? Because like that, that I'm might be those, the other thing. I'm one of the rare guys, or maybe not rare, but you know what I mean. It'd be yeah. like I I feel like it's easy for as as a bodybuilder and an addict to be yeah. like, well, I'm a bodybuilder, so I need this. You know what I mean? I need to snort this oxy before <laughs> I go lay down <laughs> yeah. tonight. Yeah, yeah. Or the the Ritalin in the uh, what do you call it? The um, ADD meds like the Adderall. You know, that's another one. My wife has uh, central apnea, and she uses, um, if it gets bad, she uses modafinil. Oh, so yeah, not yeah. to go to sleep, but, but to, to be awake you know, during the day and, and not lose any type of cognitive ability, that sort of thing. That was a big drug in the early 2000s, I feel like, the, the prep. I, I remember seeing it on the boards all the time. Oh, stack your modafinil with Clen or stack your modafinil with this It was real popular at one point. Yeah, and then it kind of fell off from probably 2010, 12 to now. Like I don't I wonder know why. anyone. We have better options maybe or Yeah, I don't know. Probably started using more Ambien. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? No, everyone everyone smokes weed now. Everyone Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, could yeah. that could be it, you know. To, to fall asleep, I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh what sleep supplements do you guys recommend just to help sleep? Things like magnesium biglycinate valerian root theanine melatonin to help sleep i think before you using those supplements i think you need to look at your hygiene of sleep in terms of you know get your room temperature to 62 degrees block out all the sources of light have a routine we we talked about this before you know whether it's reading or you know avoid screens you know down regulating right down regulating like and if you're going to be watching a screen wear blue light blocking glasses you know um yeah I, i think it's more practice and routine versus supplements i'm not saying that supplements are garbage or that there's no place for them but i just think a lot of people they move to a supplement because it's an easier thing to do than to change your lifestyle to try to improve your sleep white trash uh ac white trash ac get yourself yourself some white trash ac get an get get an ac get some aloe and uh a shitty window fan and just aim it right at you and you're good yeah (laughs) Um, Dean St. Mart, I did a Dr. Dean, I did a podcast with him about, um, hacking sleep is the name of it. It was called like hacking sleep with Dr. Dean St. Mart. You guys could look it up if you want. And he Mm -hmm. talked about two of the main reasons that we get insomnia and what's happening on a chemical level and what we can do to fix that. And like you're saying, Andrew, all the, the sleep hygiene stuff is the number one. And then he has a product, um, that that basically like it gives you the supplements to basically help you 
versus like a drug like I would I would put melatonin is in like the Band-Aid category. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or like Benadryl in the Band-Aid category versus the things that would encourage what we're trying to do naturally. You mm-hmm. know, stuff like P5P, you know, or mm-hmm. L-theanine, that those things could be helpful with that process. Sure. But I agree with you 100%, man, and that for me, sleep hygiene was something that I was terrible at. And I know, like you said, we talked about it before. But then finally, like Victoria moving here, I mine is so much better. Like we go to bed at like 9.30, sometimes 10 o'clock at the very latest is 10 is our cutoff. But sometimes it's 9.15. And, and it's all because we got in the habit. You don't just decide you're going to like sleep better and then it happens overnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it takes mm-hmm. time to get better at it. So you guys so go to bed at like 9.50, 9, or 8.50, 9.50, 9.55, and then you're sleeping by no. 10. You know what's weird is uh, as soon as I moved to Florida, <laughs> you're, just getting up. <laughs> you're just getting up at that time. I was always a get up at 4, 4.30, maybe 5 at the latest kind of person, go to bed yeah. at 10 or so. As soon as we moved to Florida, our schedule like changed two hours somehow for some reason. Probably really? just to drive down. Yeah, and being up later driving and then getting in here late and then just starting that cycle. And it doesn't seem to affect us that negatively, except for you know when I have a really early client that you know I need to get back to. But yeah, yeah, we go to bed about midnight. I think most nights. Do you now? Yeah, I get up around. I I set my alarm for six 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 thirty. And because um, I usually have someone I text back about what to do for the day if they're like, you know, two, three, four days out. And, yeah. then, and then I usually kind of like snooze for like another 30 minutes and I'm out of bed by like 645 doing cardio or whatever or answering more emails or something. But yeah, <laughs> nice. That's when I'm going to bed. Yeah, that's when you're going to bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I need a lot of sleep, especially since I had gotten sick. Like my requirement for sleep is high. So I'll get as much as like nine hours sometimes. Like mm-hmm. and that's just an average night for me. So going to bed at nine thirty helps and I get up at seven, unless there's like a client or something and then I gotta sure. go to five. So anyway. Yeah. One more thing. Yeah. because um, I've just seen it so many times with guys in particular and some girls, but guys that are, you know, bigger. And it doesn't necessarily mean three hundred bill, you know, three hundred pounds or, or two eighty, but guys that carry muscular musculature. Um, getting a sleep study done to check if you need to have a CPAP or BiPAP. I think that's one of the best things guys can do. I probably got 20 clients that I could rattle off right now that we had them do a study. Next thing you know, they're prescribed and their sleep quality goes up big time. Mm -hmm. Such a good point, man. Do you remember when Palumbo used to talk about those a lot? Uh, Faintly. He he went off on a big thing. He went off on, he, he had like two gimmicks. One was um, getting um, orthopedic insoles for your shoes to ensure that you had like good footing for your squat and it make sure mm-hmm. that you had like good positioning for your feet. And the other one was get a CPAP if you needed it. And here's the reality is that if you're getting sleep apnea, then that's going to affect your hematocrit and oh, yeah. it's going to affect your heart long term. So mm-hmm. I'm, I use a CPAP and I'm not even a huge guy, but the reality is I was 120 pounds, 125 pounds before I started lifting. So at 215, I'm mm-hmm. almost twice that, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, when the doctor looked at my throat, he was like, just when I went to go get my heart looked at last year, when I was having issues, he was like, uh, do you have a CPAP? And I was like, yeah. And he said, good, because you don't have any space in your throat. It's like, good, you need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you never had any of those issues, huh, Skip? I haven't. I, you know, I, while you guys are talking, I was even thinking to myself, because you mentioned the weight that you started at. I started at 136, but it was 40 years ago. I was 14 years old. Yeah. So I think the fact that I've, you know, gained muscle over the years relatively slowly um, and that I, 
stay leaner than most. Um, yeah, I never got huge. I mean, that's the reality of it. So mm-hmm. I haven't had any of those problems. My wife says that I'll snore for four or five minutes when I fall asleep. Yeah. And then I'm fine. If I'm exhausted, I snore more. I don't drink anymore anytime I would drink. You know, in the past, even though I wasn't a big drinker, uh, I would obviously snore. But I also don't sleep on my back. I can't sleep on my back. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had any problems. I sleep on my, you know, on my side or on my, even on my stomach. And, and I just, I've been fortunate all these years. I just rarely have any type of insomnia. I don't have, I have a pretty good consistent sleep quality um, to the point where sometimes I don't even check it because it's too predictable. So you guys touch on a lot of the important things. The structure I think is huge. Trying to go to bed at the same time, which I struggle with, uh, but I usually get up at the same time, two between two and three in the afternoon. Uh, and it just depends on workload. It's not like I'm, you know, watching TV or <laughs> do you set an alarm or do you just wake up when you wake up? I used to just wake up because it was so routine, but I do make sure that I have an alarm now. And it's, it's literally 95% of the time is between two and three. Okay. I only do if I have a, you know, client that, that morning or something. Yeah. And I stay up, you guys get up early to check in with clients. I just stay up a little later. So yeah. it depends on, you know, time yeah, zones. That's why it makes it a little harder if I have a West Coast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or a client in a, usually the clients in another country, um, they're up before me, you know, the UK and <clears throat> things like that. You know, they're up, it's five hour, roughly a five hour difference. So I can get to them, but it's the West Coast that gets me sometimes because I have to stay up quite a bit longer. I have one while I'm away in Australia that's going to compete. So that's going to be fun. Yep. I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I already have it figured out and it's good, but it's not going to be fun for my sleep schedule that day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this thing up and uh, skip you're on your trip as this releases. I hope you're having a great time. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, whether you're in England or uh, France at the time, I'm I'm not sure. I will be in Australia as this releases. We appreciate you guys tuning in and hanging out with us. And uh, leave us questions for the next episode. Um, if you want to reach out to any of us for coaching, we'd all be happy to talk to you. You can go to teamskip.com to reach out to Skip over there. Body Barry. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, just bodyberry.com. Why did I not get that right? My brain blank. My brain's blanking today. Bodyberry.com. You can reach out to Andrew. You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And of course, check out our awesome sponsors, True Nutrition. They're the first company that ever reached out to support any of our programming. Uh, I'm super grateful for them. Well, they didn't reach out to me. I reached out to them because I believed in their products since like literally all of my shows, I had used True Nutrition Proteins. You can get Team Skip over there and uh, hit me up if you have any questions about any of their stuff. They're a company that you can definitely believe in. Supplementsource.ca. They're available for our Canadian people only. Get yourself some ephedrine for a good price. Plus, they have all sorts of great deals on label change products and closeouts. Thank you to everybody from Patreon. You guys are freaking awesome and love your support. Make one. Andrew, make one? Andrew Barry, make one. Yes. One announcement. Okay. So um, I want to plug something of mine that I'm yeah. doing. Um, so I started doing these coaching coaches classes. I know a lot oh, of yeah, our listeners yeah. are, are coaches themselves. And um, I had this idea of doing small group uh, sessions to provide some mentoring to people that are getting into the business that want to you know, brush up on topics, maybe go through client issues that they're having. And chances are, if you know you bring up an issue, one of the other people in our group would be interested in hearing about that as well. So um, 
anyway, so I'm doing these small six-person groups. I have a couple times set up. I don't know. We disappeared. <laughs> I did I do that? Yeah, I think you just hit guess, something. All right. We can hear you. I'll see if I can bring you back. We can hear you. What are you saying, though, Andrew? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm just doing these small six-person groups. Um, I made a post about it on Instagram. I had about 50 people reach back out to me, and I, I started two classes for next week. All of them are already filled, but I'm going to be doing more of them in the future. So if you're someone that wants you know, some mentoring without some of the mentoring prices that um, are out there from some of the other people, in a smaller group setting, you get to share your issues or some of the problems or even topics you just want to brush up on, maybe some resources that I've learned and used over the years. Um, it's a great way to get some direction. I love that idea, man. That's going to be fantastic. How do people reach out to you if they want to do this? Um, they can email me at barryswole at gmail.com or just shoot me a DM on my Instagram. Um, and then there's a link in my uh, bio where you can actually sign up for the classes when they're offered. So Excellent. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's right, man. I saw your post for that yesterday. I, I think this would be a great way to help educate people too. You'll be able to reach out more than just like when we do our one-on-one coaching this way. You know? Yeah. And just the, the fact that like, as soon as I made the post, by the end of the night, I had about 40 people. And then by the next morning, another 10 or 20 people had reached out and like, Hey, I'm ready to sign up. When can I do this? And unfortunately I can only offer two classes just with what I have going on over the next you know month or so. Sure. But I'm probably going to be trying to do two uh, six person groups a month. Just check my, um, my Instagram. I'll be putting the schedule out there periodically on my stories and, and posts and whatnot. So this is cool. And you know what, too, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of success with this. So this will be a long-term thing. So if somebody didn't get into the group now, even though you're limited on time, I'm sure that in the future, this is probably going to be available. So yeah, I'm going to do two a month. I think I'm going to do two, maybe three a month. So, okay. Hell yeah. That's great. And, uh, you know, that's it. That's all we got then guys. We appreciate tuning into another episode of blood, sweat and gear with Gap hell and Andrew Mary. I'm McNally. We'll see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in on the live stream. You guys are awesome. I'm glad to see comments are working again. You got to keep that in there. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs>